0: For me, 2010 was an incredibly enchanted year. First, and the the greatest reason why it was an enchanted year was because that was the year that I entered seminary and kind of decided to pursue this call to the priesthood. But another reason why, for me, it was an incredibly enchanted year was because that was the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. It was awesome. I like just watching that my team win the Super Bowl is one of the most fantastic experiences I could ever remember. And I remember just, just living through this whole incredible experience, being in New Orleans at the time, being able to just drive up and go to Bourbon Street and just seeing everybody just so excited and so happy that our team, the, the Aints, which is, they were known for forever, actually was the best team in the NFL. And this Super, Super Bowl weekend has kind of got me reminiscing a lot about that. And one of the things that's interesting about the Saints, the Saints had a player um, named Jeremy Shockey. I don't know; if he might be it might be a little bit before a lot of y'all's time. But Jeremy Shockey was a tight end. He was a number one draft pick, and he was drafted by the Giants. And he was one of the few Super Bowl winning players that actually played for the Saints before they won the Super Bowl in 2010. He was he was uh, I think they traded for him in 2008 or whatever. And anytime anybody ever interviewed Jeremy Shockey about his Super Bowl that he won with the Giants, he always kind of wrote it off. He wasn't a big fan of it. He, always, he, he really downplayed it. And the reason why he downplayed it was because he didn't participate in it. He got injured right before the playoffs, and he ended up spending the Super Bowl game in, in the, the, the press suite with all the rest of the coaches, kind of helping the tight end coaches. He wasn't really on the field, he didn't participate. And so what ended up happening is he just took his Super Bowl ring and just gave it to his mom. It meant very, very little to him. Fast forward that to 2010, whenever he caught one of the touchdowns that ultimately put the Saints above the Colts to defeat Peyton Manning, people will say. It's really Drew Brees, but people say he's the greatest quarterback in the NFL. Whatever, all right? But he he, he ultimately defeated... He was a huge part of him. And to see his reaction to being able to participate in a Super Bowl versus watching it from the sides, sidelines was really pretty incredible. It was a pretty incredible juxtaposition. And I bring that story up because the Super Bowl preparation process is also the same process that you and I kind of adopt for Lent. My friends, you and I are preparing for the Super Bowl. You and I are preparing for the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl that you play in a stadium against 12 men, against whatever. like you know, it's, that's, not, that's not the purpose of the Super Bowl. Our Super Bowl, instead, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where the victory isn't just over another football team. The victory is over death itself. And whenever it comes to Easter, you and I can either be participants, or we can be spectators. Either we can be like Jeremy Shockey on the field, Or Jeremy Shockey in the press box. It's one or the other. And Lent is what affords us that opportunity to be participants at Easter. Now how do we do this? What exactly exactly is Lent all about? Lent is all about preparation. The same way winning the Super Bowl is all about preparation, Lent is where you and I prepare for the resurrection of Christ. Where you and I are solely focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what does that entail? It entails three things. The first thing that entails for preparation is prayer. My friends, unless you and I are praying, we're not going to be ready for the coming of Christ. We're not going to be watchful. We're not going to care. We're going to miss it. And he's just going to roll around, and you and I will feel like spectators. It'll mean nothing to us because Christ, to us, if we're not praying, will just be a stranger. He'll just be some guy on some field who won some great prize but ultimately, it means very little to us because we didn't put in the time and the effort. We didn't put in the devotion. We didn't actually put in the exercise. We were injured in the press box. And so to pray, to really pray, is to give ourselves to the game, to give ourselves to the preparation process, to really focus. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is to think about ways in which you can grow your prayer life this Lent, ways in which you can pray more and more. My suggestion is, is pick a coworker, pick a classmate, pick a brother, or sister, pick somebody, a different person every day for the, throughout the 40 days of Lent, and pray a rosary for them. That way, what you do is you pray a rosary every day, prayer, 15 minutes of, of good, solid, focused prayer on Jesus, and you're doing something charitable for somebody that you love. So that's my first suggestion. It's to first and foremost pray. But let's be honest, while well, prayer. Is the primary source of preparation in which you and I, you and I, can go through? The reality is, is that preparation often gets sidelined by distraction. How often have you and I gone and tried to do some work, or tried to do some homework, or tried to work on a project? And we go in at a computer, we sit down. It's nine o'clock in the morning. We're like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And you get started, you are ready? And you're like, you know what? I'm kind of hungry right now. I can use some eggs and bacon. And then what do you do? You get up and you eat. And then you go and you sit down and you're like, no, 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 it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Huh. Somebody just texted me. Let me see what they're up to. And you, before we know it, time time's just cut on distractions just eating us up to the point where it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. we got a paper due at 7, and we haven't even started because we've been distracted. So what do we do to, to, to mitigate these distractions? It's no different with prayer. Prayer's the same way. How many do you go to pray and you're like, ah, i got laundry in the in the, in the the dryer. i got to go fold that. Or we go to prayer and we're like, oh gosh, you know, it's time for lunch. I just say breakfast, but it's time for lunch. I got to eat. You know, or we go into prayer and we're like, man, I could really use a diet soda right now. You know, these things, all right, these real distractions. The purpose and the way to eliminate this distraction that the church gives us is a term called fasting. Fasting is extremely important during Lent. Without fasting, prayer tends to shrivel up and die. Prayer actually really never happens unless we fast. Without fasting, you and I lose our focus. You and I lose our our, our train of thought. In fact, there's a lot of scientific evidence that shows that intermittent fasting is extremely beneficial to the brain. And so whenever I talk about fasting, I really am talking about two things. For the longest time, fasting was exclusively used to describe food. I think it's a, a beautiful way to look at it. Give up something that distracts you. Give up a food that you love. For me, it's diet soda. Ladies and gentlemen, I can kill some diet soda. Oh, my goodness. In the past five months, I've probably drank no less than 500 diet sodas. I'm telling you, I know. I'm a sinner. I need help. That's what I'm giving up for Lent. All right? Diet soda. No more. All right? Why? Because that's a distraction. That's a distraction. I go to work, and I'm like, man, I could really use a, 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 diet, a diet Mountain Dew right now, or I could use a diet A&W or whatever. Even thinking about it right now, I'm thirsty for a diet soda. Give it up. got to give it up. All right, enough, okay? There could also be sweets. It could be meat. It could be whatever. Discipline your body. The more we discipline our bodies, the more focused our minds will be. If we don't discipline the body, the mind will be all over the place. It's that simple. We've got to discipline the body. could also go If you don't work out, work out every day. Work out more often. Get get active. Discipline the body. Subject the body, and the mind will follow. And if the mind follows, guess what? You can pray. It's that much easier. The other thing, though, too, about fasting that I think really applies to fasting is while food is the primary way you and I can fast, I think media is, at least this day and age with the iPhone and all that other stuff, is another great way to fast. Media's got to be the most distracting thing on the face of planet Earth. My goodness. My goodness. Between video games and social media and text messages and YouTube and all, you can spend the whole day trying to get started and ultimately just, just wasting it in front of this little tiny box. All right, it's so easy to get distracted, it's so easy to lose focus. So, that's the other thing I would encourage a, a, a fast from figure out what's getting you distracted most on media. Is it video games, is it social media, is it looking at the news, what is it? And drop it. Give it up. Why? You eliminate distractions, your focus is so much better. I'm more and more convinced that you can't really give more focus, that's not really possible. What you can do though is eliminate distractions and thus your focus becomes a whole lot clearer. And then finally there's one last way in which you and I can eliminate distractions and prepare and that is almsgiving. Almsgiving is a funny thing. Almsgiving is, is probably the most non-intuitive way in which you, can, you and I can find peace you can imagine. Almsgiving is where you and I give that thing that is most precious to us away. And that's either generally one of two things, time and money. If you can give away time, you're doing well. If you can give away money, you're doing really well. Time and money, these two things are things we tend to hold on to like like, like our dear life depends upon it. Time and money. And so to give alms is essentially to find ways in which you can give your time to somebody that you love or your money to somebody or an institution that you love. All right? Time and money. By doing that, what do you do? You become disinterested and you become detached to the things that are most precious to you. Because let's face it, how often do we spend time thinking about how little time we have? Or how often do we spend time thinking about how little money we have and how much more we need? If we can learn to give it away, if we can learn to be more efficient with our time, and we can learn to live less on our money, we'll be that much more at peace and we'll be that much more able to focus on the task at hand. My friend, that's, that's what Lent's all about. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. It is right around the corner. And so that's what I want you guys to consider. I want you guys to think about it as a preparation. A preparation not for something sad, but a preparation for something great. The Super Bowl, Easter Sunday. That's what Lynn is. Lent's a time where you and I have the opportunity to train up, get ready, and prepare. Because at the end of the day, we really have one of two options. Either we could be like Jeremy Shockey with the Giants, Easter can come around, and we can be a spectator, or we could be like Jeremy Shockey with the Saints, the greatest football team of all time, and go in, to Easter, prepared, ready, and grateful for the risen Lord because we have given our life to him.